0: Welcome to the Iron Self Podcast, where we jump into health, fitness, mindset, and becoming the best version of yourself. Today with your hosts, Mike and Kayla Minion. Welcome back to the Iron Self Podcast. Hey guys. On today's episode, we're talking about why you aren't getting the weight loss results you're looking for. Ooh. So there is a little bit of difference here because it might not be the results you're looking for, but you might be getting some form of result. So we just need to dial it in and figure out why aren't we getting the ones that we specifically are after?
1: Well, when we're talking about weight loss, there's there's really one main goal that we're looking for, and that is
0: weight loss. Well, I mean, but I guess maybe defining that, are you looking for scale weight loss, like physically seeing that scale number change, or are you looking for fat loss? And I think those are very different.
1: Well, I think the big thing that we want to define then is the difference between weight loss and body recomposition, right? So a lot of people think weight loss just means that scale weight, when the reality is the scale weight can stay the exact same, but our body composition can change. We can lower our fat stores and raise our muscle, right? So more lean tissue versus more fat.
0: Yeah, and I think that a lot of people put a lot of emphasis on the scale weight, looking for the scale to physically change and not understanding that their entire body is changing, that they're changing their body shape, the way it looks, maybe the way the clothes fit on your body. There, these, all of these other things kind of come into play and we often will get people that don't want to take pictures, that don't want to do measurements. And I, my, my advice to you is do your pictures, do your measurements because The scale cannot be the only thing that defines whether or not you're getting your results.
1: Scale weight's a good indicator for sure, especially if you are going for like a drastic weight loss. Yes, sure, you need like to see weight loss, you want to see that scale move. But how do your clothes fit? How do you look compared to how you used to look? If you're gaining more muscle mass, you're going to notice that your posture is going to improve. You're going to notice that maybe your belly doesn't hang out over your pants like it used to. Maybe you're starting to feel a little bit more toned. You You don't have that big chunk of fat right here above the, above the bra line. Maybe, maybe the body has changed, but the scale is still sitting.
0: I think that that is super important for people to really take into consideration or all of these other things. Are you feeling more energized? Are you eating better? Do you, do you go to the bathroom regularly? Like what are the other effects that are starting to take place on this journey? And so let's start here. Most people want immediate results. Everybody wants I mean, who doesn't? I mean, If I could get immediate results, I'd be in. Find that magic pill. Um, (laughs) But there is no immediate results. There is no magic pill. It takes hard work. It takes dedication and it takes consistency.
1: One of the things that we say a lot of times to our clients is how long did it take you to put the weight on, right? It, It didn't happen overnight. You didn't put 40, 50, 60 pounds of weight on within a month, within two months, within three months. So expecting for that amount of weight to come off within one, two, three, four, five months even, for some people, that's you know that's not really attainable. That's not something that should be a realistic goal. So a
0: lot of people will look at it and go, okay, yeah, I just want that one, maybe two months. I'm gonna pay a maximum of three months for a trainer to start to lose this weight. I need significant weight loss in three months. And it's going to depend when you come to us Where your metabolism is at, where your hormones are at. Like, there's a lot of stuff that comes into play. I always tell people the first six weeks, is like you trying to figure things out. That's where you're starting to get into habits and routines. You're starting to learn your macronutrients, your carbohydrates, your fats, your proteins. You're starting to learn your portion sizes. And you're getting comfortable, familiar with us, just like we're getting comfortable, familiar with you. But your body is unique. Your body is not the same as somebody else's body. So the way that your body responds to something is going to be totally different.
1: Any nutrition coach that you go to that tells you that they're going to get weight loss right now, I'd be interested to see what they do because the main thing for us is that we have to figure out where you're actually at for calories, what you eat right now and what that looks like before we can really start to change anything. Because if you come to us and say, I want to lose weight and you just want to go on a crazy restrictive diet maybe that will work but for some people that won't even work because they've been eating in a calorie restriction for so long so you actually have to bring their calories up i know we've talked about this before but it's one of those things where you actually have to bring the calories up find what their maintenance is and hang out there hang out there get their metabolism working for them again and a lot of people are uncomfortable with that when they're coming to you for weight loss i'm here for weight loss why are you making me eat more food well, because we need to refeed your body so it doesn't feel like it's starving itself anymore. And then we can start to bring that back. And then we can actually start to attain your goals.
0: Yeah. So when you're coming to us for weight loss and we're refeeding you, I will tell you, you'll probably gain maybe one to two pounds, usually water weight.
1: It can be up to five pounds. Up to, Don't a, freak out.
0: Up to a maximum of five pounds. But your weight will level. It'll plateau and it will hang out there and we will know we have found maintenance. Once we have found maintenance, you don't just hang out at maintenance for a week and call it good. We need to hang out at maintenance for a while to convince our body and our metabolism to upregulate, that this, we're no longer starving, that we are getting the nutrients we need, and that everything can start to essentially re regulate. We can start producing the hormones properly again. We can start having our hunger and satiety cues back. Like, there's lots of other things that we're looking for to come into play to know that the metabolism has raised enough that we can stay here long enough that we can actually, when we do begin to come into a calorie deficit, that we do begin to lose weight. But a lot of people look at these, I'm gonna call them diet protocols that uh, maybe help them lose weight initially. So I'm gonna call it like the keto diet or a fasting style diet that are going to help you initially lose weight. One, because you're not eating the garbage that you probably were eating before. (laughs) Two, you're going to have to be in a calorie deficit. It does not matter what diet you are on. You must be in a calorie deficit. And
1: for people that are like, I'm not in a calorie deficit. I just do fasting. What do you call those fasts? Those fasts are quite literally a calorie deficit. You're not eating a damn thing. So when you are not eating for 24 hours or 48 hours or however long you are fasting for, that's taking away from your overall calories intake for the entire week.
0: So the other piece of this is that your body doesn't gain and lose weight on a single day. It's on a continuum. It's not linear. Yeah. So it's like, you know, we like to say like... it's it's revolving so what is maintenance today might not be maintenance tomorrow but we calculate it based on you know a rough idea of what maintenance is and you know we find that nice ebb and flow even if you're in a calorie restriction you need to find that nice ebb and flow so maybe you eat you know mcdonald's one day and the next day you're eating salad that that's called ebb and flow as long as you're maintaining that calorie restriction over time our body will lose weight Most people's problem is that they have like this wonderful diet Monday through fi- Friday and then it's like, burn fuck the it. house down on the yeah, weekend. The weekend it's totally like, fuck it. It goes out the door or your spouse comes home and, oh, well they don't eat this way. Whatever your excuses, insert excuse here. And it's like a free for all Saturday and Sunday.
1: At the end of the day, it really is just an excuse. It is a reason you are giving yourself to justify eating like shit because you feel like you've been restricted by your diet. You should never feel restricted by your diet. Your diet is exactly that. It is meant to fuel you. It is meant to serve your goals. And you can make it delicious even with whole foods.
0: 100%. And I think it's getting out of that perspective of like thought. So when we look at it as a diet and I am restricted and I can't have these things. Well, if you were to tell your kid don't do this and it's like that pink elephant thing where it's like if i say pink elephant and don't focus on the pink elephant where? the first thing that you're thinking in your head <laughs> is you've created this visual of a pink elephant so if i tell you you can't have something the first thing you're thinking of is everything that you can't have
1: where can i find it
0: yeah so instead switch your perspective this isn't a diet i have goals i'm making the choice this isn't like your coach isn't telling you your friends and family members aren't telling you that you need to go on a weight loss <laughs> plan this This is a choice of yours to make that decision. And if that's the choice, then being honest with yourself that, you know what, based on these choices, I'm gonna eat in this way and these are the foods that I enjoy that do fit within this. I mean, I love, you know, uh, garlic sausage with like low fat cheese and pickles, like that is like my comfort food when I'm dieting. Like it's not, it doesn't need to be a hundred percent. You can only eat chicken and rice and broccoli. Like find other foods that you enjoy and begin to have variety.
1: For anybody out there that is like the classic bro diet, where it's like I. All I do eat when I'm in that mode is chicken and rice and veg. And if you enjoy that, like if you're like me, I'm a weird person. I can eat the same thing every single day and actually enjoy it. Different hot sauces, different whatever on there. I actually really enjoy that. So if you are a rare unicorn that can eat the same thing every day and it serves your goals, by all means do it. We're not saying don't do that. So that is number one way why we aren't getting results is we are starting in a wicked calorie deficit. We're not finding maintenance and we're not hanging out there before coming back down. We're just trying to diet lower and lower and lower and we're eating in ridiculous calorie deficits.
0: Yeah, and the number two way is that you are restricting those results with the foods that you are eating in the sense of you are constantly telling yourself that you're feeling restricted, that you're not getting the foods tell ourselves that you want. again. And then come the weekend, you're actually in a surplus. You might think that you're doing really well on the weekend, but those extra calories creep in. Oh, well, you know, I did have that extra handful of chips that I didn't count on my calories. Oh, I did lick the tablespoon of peanut butter after I made my kids a Maybe sandwich. Maybe it's
1: just your drinks. There, there's people that have 2,000 calories worth of drinks in a night. And that's insane to think, but it's it's really not that hard to hit.
0: Well, and I think that a lot of people too, when they are tracking their food, say they're using chronometer, like what we use with our clients, and they are tracking their food. Sometimes it's like, oh, I don't want to put that in. Oh, it was about a cup of wine. Like, have you actually gotten a? How many measuring... cups
1: are in a bottle?
0: <laughs> yeah, like, but it, I mean, like, being really honest with yourself, was it one cup of wine? Was it a cup and a half of wine? Like, there's big difference here. One cup of wine will run you about 200 calories. Doesn't sound so bad. But when, you,
1: when you're cheating those half cups, if you cheat a half cup every glass you have, that's you that's know, an that's extra 100, extra 100 calories. calories, extra 200, 300. Whatever. Yeah,
0: so it just adds up over time, and that's where those bites, licks, tastes really do come in it's like okay we are having these extra like bites looks and tastes well it doesn't seem so bad one day but when you add it up over the week you know you're a couple hundred calories and it depends on what you're taking those bite looks tastes of i mean last night i was like sitting there snacking i made granola for the family and granola doesn't fit my plan but i'm like oh i'll just have a little bit Mm." and then when i went to go track it last night, 300 calories yeah I I I estimated. I was like, well, I actually probably had like three quarters of a cup of granola by the time I was done bite like taste, and it was like 300 calories, and I was like, oh dear goodness, and I was over. But do you know what? This is where the ebb and flow comes in. So
1: today she'll be under by that money.
0: You know, I'll come <laughs> under today, or maybe I'll come under for two days with less of a um less of an amount under. But I'm going to create that calorie deficit still. I mean. It's all about the ebb and the
1: flow. If I want to say this too. If you are on a weight loss journey, you need to be brutally honest with yourself, with your food choices, and with how much food you are actually consuming. Because the amount of people that tell us that, well, I'm, I'm eating my calories. I'm hitting my calories. Are you measuring and weighing? Like, I, if you're not measuring and weighing and you're just eyeballing, your eyeballs might be really big.
0: Right, but we also do portion sizes with our clients in regards to As your hand size. But... I think that people also get away from that where they're like, okay, yeah, this is about a cup and it's like, mm, are your eyes bigger than what it actually is? So I always encourage people right off the bat, if you don't know what a cup of something actually looks like, start with weighing it out, start with measuring it out because it's going to
1: help you over time. I gives you a visual cue. That's, that's what I was getting at. If you want success, start doing it, pretty strict to begin with until you're used to okay that actually is a cup I know that because I've done a cup of rice so many times and I know exactly how big that looks
0: right I mean but I mean you don't have to get out a cup measuring cup for say your arugula because I mean I think a cup of arugula is like seven calories yeah it's like ridiculous and nobody ever like overate were like oh I ate too much arugula today like it just it when it comes to your vegetables and those kinds of things, it's a little easier to eyeball it. But the things that people tend to overconsume on um, or have a little extra of are usually those starchier carbohydrates, the more palatable food choices, those kinds of things. Meat. Meat. Well, for you.
1: Fill my plate. But, but it's a real thing, right? So if if I'm on a weight loss journey, then I'm weighing my meat because I want to know what how much I'm consuming, right? If I'm eating nine ounces. When I think I'm eating six ounces, that's a huge difference calorie wise.
0: True. It's true. So I think that we've kind of battered the portion sizes of food. We've talked about your calories. We've talked about all of those kinds of things. Now let's talk about the sauces. Are you counting the extra sauces that you're having? Mm. You know, are you counting what you're putting on your food? Are you counting that teaspoon of sugar that you put in your afternoon tea? so cream in your
1: coffee cream in Huge. Your coffee. oh
0: my gosh cream in your coffee that, that is like one of the biggest things that i see for people that are like oh yeah i had four cups of coffee and you look at the food logs and you're like did you realize you ate 300 calories in cream today
1: yeah i have a friend who told me that they only drink triple triples from tim hortons and i was like that's like a 600 calorie coffee like that's insane
0: so it's really important that you start to look at it. I, When I used to drink cream in my coffee, I drink it black now, it took me a really long time to get there, but when I used to drink cream in my coffee, I always thought I had about a tablespoon, maybe two, because I would eyeball it based on the color of the coffee, right? You want like the certain creaminess look to it. And so one day I thought to myself, you know what? I'm gonna actually measure this out. I really wanna know how much cream I'm legit putting in my coffee. And so I got out my tea, tablespoon measuring and I'm like pouring it in. And oh my goodness! To my surprise, I was having a quarter cup of cream in every single coffee in order to get it to the right consistency. That's huge, 100, like
1: 140 calories. Okay, let's think gallons. about this.
0: Like if that if I'm having that much cream, how much extra food could I eat? And so over time, what I did was I started to dwindle down the cream. I'm I'm not recommending going cold turkey to anybody because it's awful. Um, so I dwindled down the cream. So I was like, okay, I know I have a quarter cup. I'm going to have slightly less than that, and it, over time it just kind of went away. I, the sugar was the first thing I cut so that I could get used to the like bitter. bitterness, and then just slowly dwindled away until the fat, until I got to the point where okay, I can drink it black, and now I'm like I if you put cream in my coffee, I'm like, who watered down my coffee? So, (laughs) but it's over time that that was something that I wanted because for me, I just wanted more food. I was always complaining that I was hungry, that I didn't have enough to eat, or I was starting to notice that I would get those peaks and valleys in my um, blood sugar during the day where I'd like need that afternoon coffee and all of that kind of stuff. So I was like, okay, well, let's just start dwindling this down. Now I get this extra food and now my energy levels are actually more sustained throughout the day because I don't need that afternoon coffee anymore. It was more of that quote-unquote treat that I was looking forward to. If you're ready to make a change in your life, step into the best version of you, check out our Iron Self Transformation Program. Find more info on our website, www.ironbodycoach.com. I wanted-
1: Make sure that we talk about the sauces that we put on foods before we cook them too. Like when you do a ham or when you're doing a turkey or whatever you're doing where you're putting like a glaze on it. Lots of people like to do like brown sugar and maple syrup glazes and things like that. Those calories are definitely on there too. And then you put something that you're going to dip it in. So you're kind of double dipping on the dips.
0: Well, and then there's the people that like to say fry up their vegetables in a ton of butter and then just not count the butter. Yeah. It's like the amount of people that do that. I'm like, okay. I do, I do
1: that with my eggs every morning, but I, I do count the butter when I'm tracking it. But it's, it's one of those things I never used to. So I used to put a big slab of butter in there and then cook my eggs in it and be like,
0: ah, Okay, well, let's, let, let, let's put <clears throat> it in perspective this way one teaspoon of butter is 34 calories. Doesn't sound like a lot, but if you put a tablespoon of butter, you're at almost 100 calories. That's pretty significant.
1: Yeah, and then you butter your toast. Yeah, <laughs> you know, snowballs. it just
0: it just snowballs from there. So really, it comes back to honing in on those calories, and being the portion honest size
1: with the calories you're eating.
0: Yes, being huge. honest, huge. Um, the other part of this is let's look at your exercise, your physical activity. Okay, so it doesn't mean that you have to go to the gym and lift weights in <clears> order
1: <throat> to lose weight. But it does mean that you have to change what you're doing to increase the load or demand on your body so if you were doing the same thing it's the mailman syndrome if you go walking 5k every day and you've been doing that for 10 years your body is used to walking 5k so maybe you got to start walking 6 7 8 9 10k or you need to start increasing the the pace at which you're walking that again demand on your body get your your body will regulate that pretty decently
0: Well, we always talk about it in regards of uh, rate of perceived exertion or your RPE scale. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how difficult is this activity? 10 being this is the hardest workout I've done. 1 being I'm laying on a beach. How hard is this? And so if you are hanging out at like a 3-4 most of the time, you're probably not pushing yourself into enough of a demand to really start to burn much for calories. I mean, a half-hour walk is not even going gonna, gonna to burn about 100 calories. So it's not a crazy amount of um calorie burn but maybe you want to start working at that seven eight out of ten now I'm not asking you to do every workout at a 10 out of 10 because you will burn yourself out you'll have adrenal fatigue like there's lots of other stuff that takes place at the other end of that spectrum but being honest like is this a seven or an eight out of ten am I working enough that my heart rate is getting elevated that I'm slightly winded but I can still carry a conversation and that I'm I am exercising at a demand that my body is uncomfortable with And I think that that is one of those kind of things. It's like if your body is super comfortable at the amount of demand that you're placing on it, then you're not going hard enough. So like even a yoga class, a yoga class can be made very, very difficult by maybe increasing the amount of load that you're requesting your arms to carry by expanding your your leg depth. Like there's so many other things that we can do.
1: The other thing uh, with exercise and uh, exercise is stress. Our body perceives it as a stress because we are our heart rates elevated, our breathing rates elevated, your body perceives it as a threat, as stress. So being able to go from that working out state, whatever that workout is, whether it's walking, yoga, in a gym, whatever it might be, playing a sport, and being able to come back out of that stress and teaching your body that it is no longer in that super heightened state is super important too. Because if your body is constantly producing cortisol, your stress hormone, and saying we're under stress, we're under stress, then your body tends to hold on to more fat too. So this is that when you do push yourself hard, I'm not saying don't push yourself hard. If you want results, especially if you're looking for results faster, push yourself. But you need to be able to come back out of that stress too. And if you were living a super heightened stress life, plus adding these workouts in, that can sometimes start to um, have a negative effect on you too.
0: Yeah, and so <clears throat> when we're looking at stress levels, um, I'm going to jump into hormones and stresses here, get a little sciency on you guys. So cortisol being your stress hormone is also a storage hormone. So when we are under co- chronic stress, store,
1: your, store, your body store, says
0: store, 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 store. That also begins to block your hormone receptors for your sex hormones, estrogen, testosterone, progesterone, like... It, it just starts to take over because your body essentially is in that fight or flight state. It's like, I need to survive. I don't necessarily need to reproduce. <clears throat> so other things get down-regulated. So we, we down-regulate your prefrontal cortex in your brain that is like your logical thinking. And we up-regulate like the alarm system in your brain that's like, look for any threat. So you'll notice that you're hypersensitive, you're hyper-aroused. Yeah. yeah, you're more on edge. Um, If you're shorter with people, um, if you notice like your fuse is a little bit short, that might be a sign that you are under chronic stress. And so there's a lot of biological things that take place um, on our body. We don't um, absorb as much uh, nutrients. Our digestion kind of goes down. There's so many things. Our immune
1: system drops. Yeah. You're more likely to get sick.
0: There's so many things that go on under this chronic stress. It's not just about, oh, the fact that I can't lose weight. And so... What we do is we do more stress to us, right? We take on more responsibilities. Oh yeah, you know, I'm going to do this because this is going to make so-and-so happy or oh yeah, I can do this too and we just take on more and more stress and we compound that effect so that we don't have to deal with whatever the thoughts are that we're having so that we don't have to deal with uh, maybe upsetting somebody, those, those negative emotions that kind of come along with that. And so what Mike's talking about is in regards to building that resiliency, you need to come out of that stress state, right? Exercise is great, because you can exercise and then you can come out of that stress state, you know, through your stretching, your cool down, and it teaches your body that resiliency in that manner. But when you're constantly stressed inside your head and you're creating that messaging, even if it's just the story that you're telling yourself, your brain doesn't know the difference between that story taking place now, in the future, or in the past. And so that stress response is still taking place in your body. Well, we're just compounding the effect. We're not actually ever coming out of that stress state. So that's where like mindfulness and yoga, breathing techniques, um, just some form of what I'm gonna call self-care. And I know that that is like a, a, blank, a, a blanket term <clears throat> nowadays. But I'm going to say self-care in the sense of like taking a bath, reading a book. What are these other techniques that you are doing to build that resiliency, to come out of that stress state, to step away from it? Maybe every Sunday you take a, um, like a day where you... Don't use any technology. Maybe you take some time to just go walk in the forest, some earthing, some grounding. Um, But these other techniques that help to bring you out of the stress state will really, really help to uh, downregulate those cortisol levels and help your body begin to recover. Mm -hmm. The other piece of this is that we look at um, our hormone levels. And so... If we are larger, our body will naturally produce um, some sex hormones like estrogen in the fat tissue itself. And so when it starts to do that, then you've already got your glands that are producing this now the fat tissue is also producing this if you do not have enough fiber in your diet, your body cannot bind these um, hormones to anything to be eliminated from your system. So without enough fiber, your body takes it puts it into your intestines, and then it gets re uptaken into your bloodstream and it starts being used again. So now we've got all of these extra sex hormones that our body is just hyper-producing that is causing us to stay in this weight gain mentality or weight maintenance mentality. So I encourage you to start looking at, you know, anywhere from 25 to 35 grams of fiber per day can be very, very beneficial to helping your body start to rid itself of excess um, sex hormones that might be compounding. Right? There's so much to think about when it comes to like weight loss. I think people think it's very cut and dry. Calorie deficit, this is how we do it. It's like, "Mm,
1: that's the base of it." That that really is the base of anybody trying to lose weight. If you're not in a calorie deficit, you're not going to lose weight. So you do need to be in a calorie deficit. She's not saying don't be in a calorie deficit, but there's a lot more that goes into it, right? Like like your stress levels, like your hormones, like what you're doing outside of just your diet. I mean, diet is always the number one factor for weight loss. It has to be, again, without the calorie deficit, you will not achieve weight loss. But what does your activity level look like? What do your stress levels look like? What do you surround yourself with?
0: Right. And th- when we look at thyroid function, your thyroid is your metabolism. It regulates like how your body uses energy. And the amount of people with, I'm going to call it, even minor thyroid dysfunction is incredible so if you go to the doctor and you get a blood test and they say oh yeah 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 your thyroid levels are within normal well a normal range is huge it's like zero to 5.5 i think is considered normal but anything over 2.5 is actually considered dysfunction dysfunction, but they will not treat you with medication until you're over 5.5 and so it's like okay well i'm actually in this middle ground which is considered a normal range but it might not be normal for your body right because we already said every person's body is very individual and works differently so starting to be very aware of what is normal quote-unquote for my body and as we age as we go through different cycles in our lives though that that level of normalcy is going to change it's not this is how it is all the time and so we can test our body temperature at first thing in the morning our basal temperature to start to see you know is our thyroid functioning in the right way are we getting the results we want based on i've got enough nutrients i've got enough minerals i've got enough vitamins like what are you kind of including in your diet and understanding that not all foods are created equal just because something says it's a diet food and it's only a hundred calories doesn't mean that your body is going to get the best nutrients out of that you might increase your cravings there's lots of things that go along with that for myself i know having carbohydrates at breakfast like uh like a piece of toast at breakfast increases my hunger throughout the day it increases my cravings throughout the day so for me I find it easier to have vegetables and protein at breakfast and to forego my fruit and my starchy carbohydrates until lunch or into the afternoon where some for some unknown reason does not affect my hunger cues then and it doesn't increase my cravings then but it does in the morning.
1: See and I'm the opposite if I don't have those starchy carbs something in the morning to give me that energy i i'm dragging ass all morning and and it it doesn't matter how much coffee i have me either so again bodies are very different depending on a lot of factors
0: now the other piece of this is that when we are on a weight loss diet i think a lot of people are under the understanding that they don't need to feel hungry incorrect so your body up regulates your hunger and satiety cues when you are in a calorie deficit, so if you are in a calorie deficit for a while, you should feel hungry because that's what your body's natural instinct is to do: is upregulate ghrelin and say, "Hey, by the way, feed me, feed me, feed me," or "I'm gonna have to lose this weight, feed me, feed me." And it will get louder and louder and louder. So you need to have techniques in place to deal with this, because otherwise, what happens is that you get to like 8 p.m. You've already had dinner. It's the evening. You sit Nothing down on the couch. Nothing good
1: is eating after 8 p.m. <laughs> You sit
0: down on the couch to relax or whatever. Maybe you're gonna read a book, maybe you're gonna watch TV, whatever it is that you're going to do. How
1: did this chocolate? And then the (laughs) hunger is like,
0: oh my goodness, I'm starving. And you're like, well, I had dinner at like 6:30. It has been an hour and a half. I do normally get hungry, you know, two hours later. Oh, maybe I should have a snack. Oh, I have no calories left. And then you're like, nah, I'll have a snack anyways. Even if it's, say, a pear. Like, it, it could still be a healthier snack. Um, it still and, puts you over but your But it's calories. still going to put you over on those calories. So what are you doing to maintain that calorie deficit? For some of us, that's setting rules. Like, I don't eat after 8 p.m. For other of us, maybe the rule is, you know, whatever I eat after 8 p.m. has to you know, be a vegetable or it has to be from this other category of foods.
1: Or you uh, drink your diet. Maybe you just go back to tea and water.
0: That's what we do. Before
1: you eat anything, right? If you're like, I am super hungry, have a cup of tea, have some water. You still hungry?
0: Yeah, that's what we do. We drink herbal tea in the evenings um, and that seems to fill us up. We make a big pot of tea and for the two of us, that's more than enough. And the other, my other trick is, and this is something that I do all the time, is like, If I finish my my two cups of tea and I'm still hungry and I know I'm in a calorie deficit, I honestly will just go to bed because otherwise I know I'm going to eat something. And it's just for me easier to get me away from the kitchen, away from the like if I brush my teeth, I'm not going to go eat anything. So therefore, if I just go to bed, it'll go away and I'll just wake up the next day and start all over again. So you've got to have those things in place. Maybe you drink diet pop, maybe it's sparkling water, maybe it's just lemon water. Whatever it is, filling up on those liquids because sometimes we also replace we we think that we're hungry when we're legitimately thirsty and the average person does not consume enough water in their day. And so that hunger will come up with that as well because it's a similar feeling in our body. Mhm. So I think we've given you guys tons of ideas as to why you might not be getting results. So like just a quick review on that, looking at your calories and your portion sizes, your bites, looks, tastes, the extra things that you're adding to your food or cooking your food in. Sauces
1: and creams, yeah. Right?
0: So, and then your exercise level, how hard are you exercising? What is your stress level like? What are your hormone levels like? What is your sleep and recovery like? Are you getting enough of that? And then also being very honest with yourself in tracking your food, honest with yourself in the thoughts that you're having, honest with yourself as to whether or not you're legitimately hungry or is this a mental thing I'm trying to, you know, fix or cure. And being honest with yourself that, hey, I am hungry and I'm supposed to feel hungry because I'm in a calorie deficit to lose weight. This is a biological response.
1: So I think the biggest takeaway from this entire talk today, um, why you're not getting results, maybe you're not being honest with yourself with all of the decisions you're making to go along with your weight loss journey.
0: Right. Right. So there's a lot to kind of think about and consider here. Um, But the biggest thing is that honesty with self, honesty with your coaches, Um, anybody that's ever coached with us should know by now that there's never any judgment on this side of the board. We're here to support you and help you get to your goals. So when you are maybe not tracking things, it doesn't help us help you. Right. At the end of the day, the only person that you're you're lying to or withholding information from is yourself. And we can only give us our best information based on what is being shown to us. And so
1: and that's true of any coach that anybody that's listening to this has ever worked with. If you don't give your coach all of the information, how can they be expected to help you?
0: Right. Right. And being honest that at the end of the day, the, your results are 100%, 100% based on you and what you do and the effort that you put forth. And so if you are not getting the results that you want, at the end of the day, you cannot blame your coach because they can only do their best with the information that you're giving them. And so really taking that honest look at, You know, what could I have done differently? And this is where we talk about looking at, you know, reviewing your progress, looking, hey, what could I have done differently? What could I have changed? And how do we become 1% better every day? And just through that habit stacking and that reflection, that's where we can really begin to grow and evolve. Perfect. Hopefully you guys got something out of today's chat, some information. Um, if you liked today's episode, make sure you share it with a friend, a family member, share it on your Facebook, your Instagram, tag us in it, and have an amazing rest of your day.
1: Have a good day, guys. Bye for now. Bye.